to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Amen. So today I want to talk about being a super dad. There's something about a super dad and that is this super dad doesn't just happen. You don't just wake up one day and you become a super dad. There's work, there's things that you need to invest into your life. There's things that you need to do. You need to lay aside some things. Everyone else may be doing it, but that does not give you the right to do those things. So we're going to talk about being a super dad, taking the necessary steps to be the hero that your family needs. So we're calling all dads. Dad's in the house today and we're saying, how about being a super dad? Look what the Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 23 and 24. This is our scripture for the message today. And it says this, the steps of a good man. Come on, say with me, super dad. The steps of a godly man, a good man, a super dad are ordered by the Lord. And notice, he is capital, meaning God, and God delights in his, small h, the super dad or the good man's ways, the way he lives his life. But you know what? I'm glad that there's verse 24. I said, I'm glad that there's verse 24 because the Bible says, though he falls. I appreciate the fact that God recognizes I'm not perfect. Come on, aren't you glad that God not necessarily has a scape clause, but there's something in there because the steps of a good man are ordered of the law, but then God says, you're not going to hit the target every time because you're human, you're flesh. But it says, though he falls, but notice, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? Because the Lord upholds him. The Lord will uphold you with his hand. Aren't you glad that you can't do it on your own? You're going to mess up. You're going to make some mistakes. But when your steps are ordered of the Lord, guess what? God's going to be there to lift you up, to help you to be the super dad that your family needs. Come on, help me out in the place. The one who walks right, who takes the right steps, just one after the other, will receive favor and the delight and the help of God. Look what the New Living Translation says. It says the steps of the godly man or the steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their life. There's details of our life that we must delight God in. Verse 24, though they stumble... They will not fall, 
For the Lord holds them by the hand. The Message Bible says, if he stumbles, he's not down for long because God has a grip on his hand. Today I want to talk about those steps of a good man or what's going to make you a super dad. As I said, we're still going to have our moments. But as we apply these steps, as we apply these fundamental principles to our lives, the promise that we just read was, even though we stumble, guess what? God's going to be there to help us because he delights in us and he upholds us. And I'm telling you right now, I not only need the favor of God upon my life, I need the help of God in my life. Come on, I need the favor, but I need the help. I need the help to be the husband that I need to be. I need the help to be the father that I need to be. I need the help to be the friend that I need to be. Come on, I need the help of God in my life. And to become a super dad. To be a man that's godly and pleasing and walking in the right way must be the priority of my life. So today we're going to look at seven steps in being a hero for our homes. Listen to me, if you're a super dad, guess what's going to be beside you? A wonder woman. And you know what's going to be beside her? Supersonic kids. And you know what kind of home you're going to have? You're going to have one out of this world. Do I hear an amen? And it all starts with super dad. Come on, super dad, if you want Wonder Woman, start being super dad. If you want supersonic kids, start being super dad. If you want a world or a home out of this world, it begins with you. So step number one, all you guys in here, you better be taking notes today. This is a message you need to take notes with. Step number one, if you're going to be a super dad, you've got to take responsibility. You've got to take responsibility. To take anything, you have to first accept it. Today, whether you asked for it or not, you're a dad. And you're not innocent. You had something to do with being a dad. Miss D, wave at us, everyone. Look, there's Miss D at the back. If you don't know what I'm talking about in that statement, see Miss D at the end and she'll explain it to you. But you're not innocent in the fact that you're a dad. So now what we have to do is we need to take responsibility for the fact that we are a dad. We have a responsibility to lead our family. Look at this statement. The man God is calling you to be is the man your children need to follow. Joshua 24 verse 15 says these words. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But listen to what Joshua says, but as for me and my house... I'm taking responsibility over that which God has given me, he's saying. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't put it up for debate. He didn't put it up for question. He recognized, and guys, you need to recognize today that your responsibility is to be the godly leader first beginning in your home with your families. And here's what we've got to watch today. 
We, set, we tend to spend more time occupying a house than turning it into a home. We get so busy and having everything right, the nicest stuff and the nicest TVs and the nicest things to make it a house, but yet we neglect the fact of making it a home for our children to be a part of. You know, Kelly and I right now are going through a move. We just sold our house. We're getting ready to close on a new house on July the 16th. And can I tell you right now, for the last couple of weeks, it's been really busy. I mean, there is so much stuff to do. Just the fact of looking for houses. I think we looked at about 22 houses. That takes a lot of time. And thank you, Molly Moore, for that, for your patience. I loved it. I went to England for a week, and they looked at 13 houses in one day. That's Wonder Woman right there. Come on. I mean, they looked at 13 houses. They saved me going around, and then they found the two, and they went back, and we found the one, and thank God for that. But you know what? There's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of things to plan. There's a lot of things to paint. There's a lot of things to repair. There's going to be new furniture that we're going to have to buy. There's going to be old furniture that we're going to have to sell. There's going to be boxes that we've got to pack. Come on, there's a move that's going to take place. There's so many things, if we don't watch, that consume us that we fail to realize what's the most important thing. Now, you may not be moving house today. You may not be moving house this year. But there's so many things that can consume us that we just have a house instead of making it a home. Come on, it's got to be a home. What distinguishes a house from a home? A home is a place of direction. It's a place of instruction. It's a place of order. It's a place of discipline for our children. It's a place, listen to me, and I know you don't want to hear this today, but it's a place that is preparing our children for the day they will leave. Now, I know parents, we don't like to hear that, especially mums, we don't want to hear the kids are going to be gone. But our house needs to be a home that prepares our children that one day when they leave, they are going to be the godly parents that they need to be. Our responsibility is to accept accept the stewardship that God has given us and to mold the lives of our children. We just read from Joshua. You see, here's Joshua. Joshua was Moses' assistant. He carried his briefcase. He went everywhere with Moses. In fact, I love something about Joshua. It says, when Moses left the presence of God, it said that Joshua just stayed there a little bit longer. Joshua was an incredible guy. And one day it was time for Moses to be passed on, and it was time for Joshua to take the rule. And God instructs Joshua and God commands him. He says, be strong and courageous. He had to be strong and courageous in order to fulfill the responsibility that God has given him. He obeys God and he commits to lead the people. And he does so for many years. And throughout those years, he enables Israel to cross from the wilderness into the promise of God and they fight many battles as they are taking what is rightfully theirs as they go into their promised land but what we just read was years after the fighting years after they had possessed the land Joshua realized this the war for the land may be over but the fight 
for their families was just beginning. The war of possessing the land was over. But the war against their families and the fight that we were in was just beginning. So Joshua calls all the leaders, he calls all the people of Israel together and he challenges them with the responsibility that they have been given. He says, what are you going to choose for your family? Dad, today, what are you making choices and decisions for for your family today? Joshua said, as for me and my house, this is the way that we're going to go. Don't blame anyone else for the choice that you need to make. You need to take responsibility. You need to make the choice. Which way are you going to lead your family? Which way are you going to take them? Will you follow God, Joshua said, or will you follow other gods? Jesus later said these words, a house divided against itself cannot stand. What does that mean? You can't follow the gods and God. You can't live the best of both worlds. You can't straddle the fence. You may think you can do it for a while, but you're going to start getting cramps and it's going to start really being uncomfortable. You can't live both camps. And Joshua knew that his leading of the masses was almost over. But he knew he still had a responsibility to his children, to his home, to his family. And he had to define the culture of what was acceptable in his home. Come on, don't let the world define the culture of your home. Super dad, take responsibility. Perhaps you need to identify areas in your life that you fall short in and first deal with them. Why? Because you've got to be responsible for yourself before you can be responsible for other people. You've got to take responsibility. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says this, And you fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. The New Living Translation says, and now a word to you fathers, super dads. Don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Bring them up with the discipline and the instruction approved by the Lord. Say with me, that's my responsibility. Come on, say it like you mean it today. That's my responsibility to bring them up in the training and the discipline instructed by God. Step number one, take responsibility. Step number two, know your identity. Know your identity. What do I mean by know your identity? Here's what I mean. To have a proper identity, you must have an active, engaged relationship with God. You don't have an identity unless you have a relationship with God. You may have an image of what other people may think and other people may see, But you really, truly don't have an identity until you know who you are in God. Till you know who you are in Christ Jesus. You see, the problem with image is this. There's always someone bigger than you. As big as Daniel is, there's someone bigger than him. As muscular as I am, I know. That's why my shirt wouldn't fit this morning. 
there's always someone who's going to be a little bit stronger than me. So when I put my faith in image, guess what happens? I can be disappointed. My identity can be affected because I can think I'm big and bad. And then someone big and badder comes along. And what happens? My identity goes. But you see, when my identity is in God, it's just like that story, isn't it? About the young boy who, who was beat up one day. And you know what? He said to himself, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of those people because I know who my brother is. So when these kids were beating them up, he says, you know who my brother is? And those people ran away. Why? Because they knew his brother was big and bad and his brother was going to beat them up. How many knows that we can walk through this world with our chests out, our shoulders back, knowing that our big brother is big and bad? That my identity is in him. You can think whatever you want of me, but don't mess with me because I'm a God's kid. Come on, you got to know your identity. Super dads know their identity. I'm not what I am because I pastor a church or I drive this such car or I have this much money in the bank account or I have this position at my work or I have this and that. I am who I am because God says that's what I am. We need to know our identity in God. Look at this statement. You cannot get it right with them until you get it right with him. You can't get it right at home till you get it right with him. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Come on, say with me, new identity. He's a new creation. Old things have... Pa- How many are glad that some of that old stuff is gone? How many are glad right now, our kids are out, so let's just whisper a little bit. How many are glad that your kids don't know a lot of your old identity? Come on, aren't you glad that you're a new person today, that you don't do those things anymore, that what you were, you're no longer? Why? Because you have a new identity. Come on, do I have a witness in the house? That you've got a new identity in God. The old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. We have a new identity in Christ and it doesn't come through us, but it's come through what he has done. We can't make it on our own. How do I know that? Look at the Bible. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says these words, For by grace have you been saved, what? Through faith and not of your... Meaning what you've done. Because it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should what? Boast. It's about me. It's about me. No, God says it's not about you. It's about what? Grace through faith. Come on, say that with me. Grace through faith. We're saved by grace through faith, which gives us a new identity and a new new perception in Christ. We're a new creation. It's a new you. And can I tell you from a new you, knowing your identity in God, you know what happens? You're going to be a changed person. You're going to be a new person. Why? Because the manifestation of good works is going to come out of you because you're now a new person. You're a new person. You're a new person. And you know how we stay a new person? 
The Bible says we've got to abide in God. Look what it says in John 15, verse 4 through 5. Come on, guys. If you want an identity, you've got to abide in God. You've got to stick to God like glue. Come on. John 15, 4 through 5 says this. Abide in me and I'll be in you. Come on. I love that. That's shouting words right there. Come on. You're quiet in the house today. God says, abide in me. And guess what? I'm going to abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, God says, you are the branches and he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, notice this, without me, you're nothing. Turn to your neighbor, look him square in the eye and say, you're nothing without God. Come on, if your identity is in you, that's just been, that's just crushed you right there. But how many can understand and throw your hand in the air today and say, that's okay because I know I'm somebody through him. Come on. Come on. I'm not a nobody. I'm a somebody in God. Hallelujah. I have an identity in God. So how can I abide? How can I be a super dad? Can I give you a few ways that you can abide? Because to abide means to have close fellowship or relationship with God. Come on. Here's a few things. You can abide through prayer. Come on, prayer is important. Pray to God. You can abide through confessing your sins. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many knows that sin will separate us from God? But we can abide in God by confessing and say, God, I didn't hit the mark today, but would you forgive me? God, I just lost my temper with my wife. Would you forgive me? God, I just said something I shouldn't have said. Come on, don't have a witness in the house that God, would you forgive me? And I can abide in God through confessing my sins. I can abide in God through seeking God. Those who wait upon the Lord. Seeking God. I can abide in God through His Word. And I can abide in God through walking in love and obedience. Walking in those things. Look at this statement. We must constantly be connected to Christ. In order to succeed at anything. Come on, super dad. You know what makes you super? Your connection to God. It's not you. It's your identity in him. Come on. It's your identity in him. Come on. It's your identity in him. It's not what you were. It's not what you are. Gideon one day was hiding. He was the least of his father's house. And an angel came to him and said, hey, you mighty man of valor. Gideon's looking over his shoulder and thinking, who's he talking to? And the angel says, no, I'm talking to you, son. Why? His identity was, I'm the least, I'm useless, I'm worthless. But God saw something in him that day that you need to realize today that there is something inside of you today that God sees. There's an identity in you. There's a mighty warrior. There's a super dad inside of you. If you'll just give your life to God and let him be your identity. Come on, living in a new identity in Christ. Step number three, got to walk in integrity. Integrity. A lot of people act right when they should, but when no one else is looking, they think no one's going to notice. Walking in integrity is 24-7, 365, 366, once every four years. It's every second of every moment of every day. 
Some of you older people like Arnold and Doug will remember in the late 80s that they had a big campaign for a drug-free America and they launched a massive anti-drug campaign. In this anti-drug campaign, they pictured a father who was so frustrated in discovering that his teenage son had drugs on him. The father sits down the son and he's questioning the son. How did you learn how to use drugs? Where did you get? And the father is just laying into the son. And finally the son with his head down lifts his head up and he shouts back at his dad. You all right. I learned it from you. Anyone remember that? It was you all right. Where did you learn it? From you. It was you. It was you. To be a super dad, our families do not need for us to say one thing and to do another. If we're expecting our children to learn godliness when they are seeing inconsistencies in our home, we're kidding ourselves. It's not going to happen. Look at this statement. A man of integrity reflects God and is answerable to him. Luke 6 verse 46, hold on to your seats, here it comes. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, Master, Master, and do not do the things which I say? Look at that, Jesus speaking. Why do you call me Master, Master, but yet you don't do the things that I say. Come on, it's not just knowing it, because we do. You know, we even say that, well, I know, I know. No, you don't know, because if you really did know, you wouldn't do it. And some of you may say, well, I don't know. Well, you do now. You've got no excuse, because we're telling you today. So every one of us is without excuse today. It's not just knowing it, but it's doing it. Jesus, a few verses later after he's just said this, in fact, the next verse, he goes on to talk about a wise and a foolish man. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And we hopefully know the results. The same storm came, the same house stood, but a different foundation upon which they were laid. And the Bible says that the foolish man's house, the one built upon the sand, it was destroyed. And the Bible even says it this way, and great was the fall. Why was that? It Because the foolish man heard, but he didn't do. The Bible says that he only heard, but he didn't do. And he therefore is likened to a foolish man. That day, both builders had heard the word of God. But only the one who obeyed it survived and flourished. Integrity is the opposite to hypocrisy. God is calling you, super dad, to walk in integrity. What does integrity mean? Integrity is when your life matches your words and the standards you set for others are those unashamedly you live by. That's integrity. Let me say that one more time. When your life matches your words and the standards you set for others are those you unashamedly live by as well. That's 
integrity. And can I tell you what happens as a result of walking in integrity? Proverbs 20 verse 7, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. We bring blessing to our home. I like another translation says this, a man who walks in integrity, his children are going to be happy. Come on, there's happiness that comes into the home when super dads lead with integrity. Come on, it may be just a little bit of extra change they give you back at the Burger King. Hey, sorry, you gave me too much. Come on, whatever it may be, come on, we're walking in integrity every step of the way. We may think we can cut a corner and no one will see it. Come on, God sees it. Come on, we're laying the standard for our homes. We're walking in integrity. Why do we do this? Can I tell you why? Here's three reasons why you need to walk in integrity. Number one, ears are listening, eyes are watching, and minds are recording. Don't think your kids ain't seeing. Don't think they're not hearing. Don't think their minds are not recording those things. Here's a thought for you, dads, a challenge for you today. Would you be proud of your children if they repeated the same example as you in these things? Are you ready? Would you be proud of your children if they followed your example in your purity? Would you be proud of your children for the purity that they would follow from you? Would you be proud of your children if they used the same language as you? Would you be proud of your children if they chose the same type of friends as you? Would you be proud of your children if they chose the same recreational activities that you engage in? What about this one? Are you proud of your children if they follow your devotion to the house of God and the way you participate in church? Here's another thought. Would you be proud of your child if they loved and respected their mother or their future wife in the same way you love and respect your wife? Would you be proud of the example they follow from your prayer life? Would you be proud of the example that they follow in their biblical knowledge, their knowledge of the Word of God? Guys, can I tell you today, if there's inconsistencies in your life, you better repent and start walking in integrity. You better repent and start walking in integrity. So sick and tired of that statement, it says, do as I say, not as I do. That is one of the biggest lies there is out there. And that is a statement of hypocrisy. And God calls for us to walk in integrity, which is the opposite. The direct opposite on the other end of the spectrum. Come on, if there's inconsistencies, come on, repent and walk in integrity. Step number four. Is this okay today? Come on, a super dad, you've got to provide and protect your families. We talked about this in a greater detail than I will today in our message, Don't Let the World Name Your Kids, a few weeks ago. But notice to this, here's a statement for you. Are you willing to rise to God's standard of providing and protecting for your family? It's not what you think it should be, it's what God says it is. Are you providing and protecting for your home? As super dads, we must do this. Look what it says in 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and he is worse than an unbeliever. That's strong words right there. You deny the principles of faith that you say you live by. 
You deny the truth of God's word if you're not providing for your families. If you're not doing, and the Bible says you're worse than someone who doesn't even know. You're worse than an unbeliever. Come on, I don't want to be labeled as that. Come on, I want to be providing for my family. I want to be there. And listen, providing for them is not just financial. That's part of it, but that's not the entirety of it. Come on, it's every area of their lives. We need to prepare for them emotionally. We need to be the spiritual example for them. We need to provide the direction for their lives. We need to provide the prayer and counsel for their lives. We need just to prepare them for life, in life. And what we do, if we don't make provision for our families, can I tell you right now, the world's going to fit the bill. They're waiting. Waiting. When Cain and Abel, when his offering was refused, what did God say? You do right, but if you don't, sin is crouching at your door, seeking to have you. Can I tell you, sin is crouching at your door, waiting to steal your families and to take your children away. Come on, dads, we've got to be super dads. We've got to provide for our homes. As for me and my house, we're going to make a stand. We're going to be what God has called us to be. We're providing But we're also protected. Nehemiah 4 verse 14 says, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Haven't got time to go into it, but the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed. Nehemiah gets a word from God. He goes and he starts the rebuild and they're rebuilding the walls. But in the process of building, they started to get discouraged. In the process of building, the enemy started to get into their heads and mess with them. And as a result, it wasn't going to be completed. So what did Nehemiah do? Nehemiah called everyone together and he said to them these words, You know the reason why we're building? We're building for your children. When he began to make it personal and they began to realize what it was all about, they began to build and the walls were built. Come on, we are providing for our families, but we better start protecting our families. We better start building the walls around our children, building their future. Because if we don't watch, there can be exposed areas in the walls of our homes today. Areas that we're called to protect, to be the protectors, to be the super dads. We need to protect them against what they say are the most six powerful influences that our children face today. And each one of these can greatly impact their thinking and decision making in the future. Here's what we need to protect our families from. We need to protect them from the friends, the wrong friends, the wrong crowd, hanging around with the wrong people. We need to protect them in their education. You know what? They may not want to go to school. Too bad. You're going to school. We need to protect them. We need to make sure they're in bed early so they can function at school. We need to make sure they're doing their homework and staying on top of stuff. Come on, we need to protect them with the music that they're listening in. Why? Because garbage in is garbage is going to be out. We need to protect them in the movies and the TV shows they're watching. We need to protect them through the internet and the social media that's out there. We need to protect them with video games. And here's what we must teach them through protecting them. To ask the question, is this honoring to God? Am I honoring God with what I'm doing? Come on, we've got to teach them to know that. Because we're not always going to be there. We're not always going to be there. And just like Psalms 23, how God wants to be our good shepherd that leads us, you and I, super dads, we must provide and protect for our families in the same way. We need to identify those exposed areas in the home and be the super dad that will swoop in and save the day. 
And I'm going to say something right now and then we're going to hit it and leave it. And that is this, you're called to be a parent before a friend. Called to be a parent before their friend. And if you do it God's way, which is parent before friend, I'm telling you, one day they'll be your best friends. How do I know that? Because I'm my dad's best friend right now. Why? Because they were a parent. Now I can enjoy friendship. If you don't be a parent, they'll never be your friends because they are going to hate you and they're going to despise you for what you did. Come on, be a parent and then you can be a friend. Are you with me? Step number five. Haven't got too much longer to go. Here's what you need to be to be a super dad. You've got to encourage and bless your children. You've got to bless, you've got to speak blessing over your children. You've got to encourage your children. It's amazing today in a world which loves to portray deadbeat dads and fathers who are clueless and worthless. Most of these shows on Nick, most of these shows on Disney, they make the parents, especially the dad, look like they are clueless, that they are stupid and they know nothing. Come on, you can't be that type of dad. You've got to engage yourself in their lives. You've got to be involved in their lives. You've got to encourage them. You've got to build them up. Listen to me, you've got to win their heart. You've got to win their heart. If we truly care about that our children succeed at following God, we must stop at nothing to assure that we win their hearts. One day when Jesus was being baptized, look what happened. The Bible says in Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17, And when he had been baptized, Jesus, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Listen to this. And suddenly a voice from heaven came saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What we just read there was that God affirmed his son. Before Jesus began his ministry on this earth, he was affirmed by his father. How did his father affirm him? His father affirmed him in three different ways. Notice what he did. His father said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. He was honored to be able to call him his son. The second thing was this. He said, you are my beloved son. What? I love you very much, God was saying. And the last thing that God affirmed his son with, I'm pleased with how you are living. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God was giving him the seal of approval. God didn't say you could have done this a little bit better. Your room was a little bit messy the other day. What was God doing? God was affirming his son. Super dad, you need to affirm your children. Are they always going to do right? No, they're not. Are they going to do a lot of wrong things? Probably. But you know what you've got to do? You've got to start affirming them. You've got to start affirming them. There's three things that they say that kids need. And I'm going to tell you right now. Here's what super dads would do to encourage and win and bless the hearts of their kids. Are you ready? Here's the first thing. You need to make sure that they are loved. You need to tell them you are loved. Come on, you need to tell them you are loved. Come on, dads, it may be tough for you. You may say, well, I wasn't loved. Well, that's your problem. You need to start loving your children. Come on, you need to start loving. Well, it's hard for me to tell them I love them. You need to tell them you love them. Because if they don't know the love of a father, can I tell you, a daughter especially is going to find a love outside of the home if she's not received the love of her father. You know what else we need to tell our children? You make me proud. They need to know that, they make, that you make them proud. But Philip, they don't always do good things. Well, the things that they do do that are right. 
Be proud of them for that. And you know what else we need to do? We need to build them up and tell them you are good at. Speak encouragement into them. The Bible says train up a child. Lay the tracks. Encourage them in their lives. You know what? I wish I had more time to talk about it. But I had such incredible parents that no matter where I was and what I did, I knew I always had the support of my parents. That is if I was doing right. If I was doing wrong, I knew the hand of God or the hand of my dad was going to come heavily upon me. But you know what? Because of the love that they gave, I never once in my life ever doubted the fact that I was loved. And as a result of knowing that my parents loved me, my mum and dad still tell me on the phone today, I'll be 39, I'll be 40 in August, my mum and dad still today tell me that they love me. I think I was about 20 years of age and I would still at night go give my mum and dad a hug and kiss on the cheek before I went to bed and I would tell them I loved them. Why? Because I grew up in a home of love. Because of that love, there is a confidence that I now have in my life. That wherever I go, it's built a confidence in me. Why? Because my parents encouraged me. They instilled something inside of me that now wherever I go, I carry that with me. Come on, be a super dad. Encourage your kids. Don't cripple them so when they leave the home, they're crippled. Leave the home that they think they're the greatest thing in the world. People say, well, you're setting them up for failure. No, you're just being realistic with them. But let them know they can do all things through Christ. Build up your children. Build them up. Well, I don't want to do that. I may give them a big head. Give them a big head. I mean, I'd much rather see kids that know who they are than kids who doubt what they could be. Come on, super dad, we're calling you to do that today. Win their heart. Because if not, the world will steal it away. Listen to me, a question. If someone interviewed your child and asked them how they thought you felt about them, What do you think they would say? How do you feel about your dad? How do you feel about your mom? Maybe it would be a good thing to ask. Because children don't lie. For things like that. Number six, I'm almost done, I promise. We need to leave a legacy. We need to leave footprints. Every step I take needs to be leaving lasting impressions. We need to leave a legacy for our children. Look at this statement. No one leaves a godly legacy by accident. It's not going to happen. It's by purpose. It's by living for purpose. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1 and 2 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus... And things that you have heard from me amongst many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice what he says, and the things that you have heard from me, and not just heard and seen and done. Why? Because we're super dads of integrity. We're not just saying stuff, we're doing it. He's saying those things that you have seen in my life, from my mouth, the way I live and the way I conduct myself, the legacy that I'm leaving you. He says, do these things to other people. Wherever you go, be an example of that. Listen, while here on earth, Jesus invested in 12 ordinary men whose lives were transformed by knowing him personally. 
Jesus spent time with them. He called them to exchange the ordinary for the extraordinary. He taught them about God. He taught them about his word. And he showed them how to pray. Jesus healed their family members. He served them. He rebuked. He forgave. He modeled God's love. He left footprints upon their life that every one of them, when he was gone, stood up for the gospel of Christ. Can I tell you, it's our responsibility as parents to teach them the word of God, to stamp all over them the footprints of a legacy that's going to hold them in their futures, that they're not going to deviate off of it. Come on, Jesus left footprints upon their lives that changed them totally. Come on, super dads, we must leave our mark. And the last step, and I know there's many more steps, but for the sake of this message, these are the ones that we're given. Super dad, you need to step with accountability. You notice, remember what I said at the beginning, that God says that I'll delight when you walk in my ways. And even if you fall, guess what? I'll be there to pick you up. I'm telling you, if you apply these steps to your life, you're not going to be perfect all the times, but you're going to be walking in a way that God will pick you up and help you. Have accountability in your life. Surround yourself with accountability. The problem we have is when we think of super dad, we think of superhero and we can do everything by ourselves. That's one of the biggest lies that the enemy will say. The Bible says a man who isolates himself rages against all sound judgment or wisdom. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it by yourself. Look at this statement. The people closest to you must be the closest to God. Be around people who are closest to God. Be around people who are going to challenge you and say to you, hey, buck up, buddy. You're not doing right. You're not being right. You're treating your wife wrong. You're treating your kids. Where were you Sunday? Why weren't you in church? Be around people who are going to challenge you. How do I know this? Because Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You need to be around people that are going to sharpen your life, not make your life dull. You've got to be around people that are going to define you, refine you, help you, fine-tune you. Be around those who take you to Jesus. Be around those who hold you accountable. Why? Because there's a law of assimilation out there, and that means you get like the people you hang out with. Be around people. Be accountable. Have accountability in your life. Listen to me, super dad. Take the right steps that will not only determine your success, but those after you. Your children, your family, your home. If we want a Wonder Woman, if we want supersonic kids, and we want a home that's out of this world, first starts with a super dad. Super dad. Being a super dad. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. 
If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master, Savior, I just want-